so 2018. Hmm. I recognized on January 1st when the calendar flipped over is that it'll be 20 years this April since I have been ordained to the Unitarian Universalist Ministry. 20. <laughs> but thank you for your grace. I do appreciate it. I bring that up specifically today because as I was doing a little mental math uh, in my head, I recognize in these 20 years of messages, sermons, talks on Sunday morning, at other times of the week, at ordinations, I'm like closing in on having to title about 900 or almost 1,000 of these things. Now, trust me, please, that is not 900 or 1,000 unique thoughts. (laughs) One of the things that I do when I work with clergy or upcoming is that I say if you never repeat yourself, like I repeat myself all the time, you never had anything we're saying in the first place. <laughs> Sometimes when I title these messages, people have asked me, you know, before I preached, what exactly does this mean? Being a little cagey there. I am not today. <laughs> Everyone is exhausted. A little bit of hyperbole there. A little bit of overstatement, but not much. You're right, Kathleen. This first message in this first series of the new year, Being Refuge, it is about um, inviting all of us to commit to a path of providing safety, trust, and belonging in our relationships in large-scale and in small-scale ways. And I wanted to begin today with this kind of fairly blanket statement, because It has come up over and over again. I'd say the most consistent thing I hear in my conversations with you all and conversations with other folks in my life is about how tired folks are, how busy many of us are. And sometimes this really seems to kind of sap the heart out of us as we feel spent. I had a few inspirations for this message series, one of which was just this past weekend or a weekend ago. We had friends come to town. Tracy was one of our friends. We were talking about our favorite holiday gifts that we gave and received, and the word fleece kept coming up over and over again, and comfort and self-comfort kept coming up. And Tracy put it so perfectly, as she so often does, what does it say about us? What does it say when all of our favorite Christmas gifts are stress relievers? (laughs) Put her finger on something. And I will admit that, yes, as a person in long-term recovery, I've got a specific eye on or alertness to even raise an eyebrow. But the truth is, I can't raise the eyebrow, so I've got to lift the eyebrow up. When I see in my Facebook feed, as often as I do, how many people are, are posting about one particular substance. You know it. Many of you are holding it in your hands. Coffee. <laughs> this lifeblood, this elixir. <laughs> but more seriously... And with a deeper analysis, there is a spiritual teacher who I really like and admire. His name is Omid Safi, and he writes a column for the uh, On Being blog associated with the podcast. He is a Muslim teacher and scholar at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. And a few years ago, he wrote something that I can really tell it's pointing at something valuable for so many of us. Because I'd say once or twice a month, I see it again in my Facebook feeds. Because someone has, to, has discovered it for the first time and is like, yeah, this says something real. 
It helps me explain myself to myself or our world to myself. It's called the disease of being busy. Oman Safi writes, I saw a dear friend a few days ago. I stopped by to ask her how she was doing, how her family was. She looked up, voice lowered, and just kind of whimpered. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I have so much going on. Almost immediately after, he continues, I ran into another friend and asked him how he was. Again, same tone, same response. I'm just so busy. So much to do. And when Omen Safi dug a little deeper, the friend responded, I'm tired, exacerbated, overwhelmed. And then Omid Safi, because he's such an acute observer of our world, goes through all the ways in which the busyness just seems to surround us and overwhelm us. He talks about, for those of you, those of us who have kids, the constant scheduling, such little space within the schedule, such little daylight. talks about the ways in which these things, which can be so wonderful, and yet we're, our tech was supposed to make our lives easier, right? More streamlined. And just ends up, for so many of us, feeling as if we are not connected, but tethered or chained to a sense of responsibility. Talks about the economy. The way that we have structured our economic relationships with each other that is so often dependent upon raising our productivity and diminishing our personhood. And that, as of yet, we have not imagined on a large-scale way, at least here in America, a more humane way of structuring the economy. Not that many of us hope we will not learn soon. And Omid Safi continues. He says, imagining, speaking intimately to the person reading. I felt him speaking to me, his presence. Tell me, he says, remember, tell me that you remember that you are so much more than just a human doing that you are a human being. Tell me that you're more than a machine just checking other items one after another off of your to-do list. And he says, speaking so beautifully, have that conversation. And by the way, folks, have that conversation. That glance, that touch, reach out and touch my arm. Be a healing conversation, one filled with grace and presence. When one of us responds by saying, I am just so busy, as I'm sure some of you will say (laughs) today in talking with each other. When you hear those words, I am just so busy, we can follow up by saying, I know, love. I know we all are. But I want to know how your heart is doing. I want to know how your heart is doing. This is digging deeper. This is offering refuge, becoming refuge. In this series that myself and Reverend Lee and one of our worship leaders, Chris Chappelle, will offer over the next two months, we're going to be offering different teachers and perspectives and traditions and teachings about refuge. But please hear this. This has very little to do with learning facts about refuge and all to do with the invitation to provide, to be, and to become refuge for ourselves and with each other. 
And the hope, the deep hope here is that we are offering an antidote to what so many of us are swimming in and if not being deluged by right now in this new year. Do this additional thing. (laughs) Find this life hack. Become more productive. Become more than what you are right now. But so often that kind of logic is just ensnaring us in the downward spiral of the disease of being busy. Refuge, offering refuge, taking refuge, is intended to reach us in those places where we feel the most exhausted, where maybe we feel that rest or the possibility of rest is an impossibility. And it's beyond just simply a moment to stop, although it is that. It is wanting to create the conditions within our lives on both an intimate level and also a large-scale level. So that's aspiration for trust and belonging and safety can be more true for each and every one of us. And it's grounded in our mission here. It's grounded in those words, charged full with the charge of the soul, which I know I have shortened over and over again in my life. I've even done a little hashtag on like Facebook, hashtag charged full. But actually, I think it's the charged full with the charge of the soul part, the soul part, that's actually the most important (laughs) Whether the soul means something metaphorical to you or something metaphysical, we don't make that decision for you. We invite ourselves into that way of being. Chargeful with the charge of the soul is the most important, the whole thing. Because it can't just be, for example, something like joy, which is wonderful. Chargeful with the charge of joy. But the truth is, and maybe I see it on some of your faces, I don't know, you'll have to tell me, how is your heart? We're not always joyful. Sometimes life is profoundly difficult and profoundly painful. And if all we have to offer to each other is to be chargeful with the charge of joy, then actually it's like kind of uh, blaming a fish for not being able to fly because they have scales rather than wings. Chargeful with the charge of joy is not always real for all of us. It can't just be, and I say this as I'm about to resume the semester in a couple weeks for my third master's. Ugh. <sighs> Chargeful at the charge of great ideas. Because sometimes, like winter fields, if winter has something to teach us, the productive mind, to be truly productive, must lay fallow. It cannot be, as I'm seeing all over my Facebook feed right now, it cannot be chargeful with the charge of life hacks. The easier way, the quicker way. I believe my heart knows and I believe all our hearts know that actually sometimes the truest way home is the slowest way home, not the quickest way or the easiest way. It cannot be charged full with the charge of activity because we are not designed to be perpetual motion machines. We need to be able to pause and rest and receive grace. This is why I believe charged full with the charge of the soul is that deeper way of connecting. It is a wonderful and necessary corrective to this thing in our society that happens all the time, equating our value with our productivity, positively and negatively. Some of us are more challenged at it than others, but I have yet to find a person who cannot offer to another being this loving awareness this presence that is refuge.
I believe we know we are in the presence of our own refuge and another person's refuge and can answer that rest that the heart needs when it feels exhausted. When we can say this to ourselves or to each other, I don't want anything from you other than you. I don't want anything at all from you other than you. This is what refuge is. And it opens up to a paradox. (laughs) So many of the challenges in our lives, the large-scale, macro-level challenges that show up in our individual lives, feel so unsolvable. And yet I believe if there's a way out or a way through or a way to a better way, then actually the solution for what's unsolvable is relationship. Relationships of real, true, deep refuge. I saw this meme not too long ago, and I love it. I posted it on Facebook. And yeah, it means a lot to me as a recovering person because I know the truth in my bones of this. But I think it applies to all of us. When the I is replaced by we, even illness becomes wellness. This is how we start to turn around the disease of busyness by acknowledging that we all suffer from it. And we're all a part of it. And we are also the solution. And not just the solution because that's fixing language and machines get fixed, but human beings get healed. This is an invitation to healing. It is an invitation to reclaiming something so powerful and something so sacred that in a world of objectification, in a world in which so many people are treated as things, that there is a better, deeper way of reclaiming this basic saving goodness. And I know because I've had people say it to me, I've had myself say it to myself, I've had people say it to me here, that the, the challenge with you know, this kind of grace-filled living, this kind of refuge, is, uh, well, won't that make me lazy? And I've got to tell you, it's a really interesting thing that for so many of us who left traditions that either had um, residuals Uh, or was right there front and center of original sin, this is even more residual of that original sin stuff. (laughs) You know, that our work is punishment. (laughs) That we're not to be trusted as human beings. And yet this stuff has its claws in us in this culture, even if we left those kinds of churches or traditions a long time ago. We'll talk about that later in the message series. Refuge has nothing to do with not valuing our ardent efforts or our hard work. I work really, really hard. I know many of you do as well. But actually it's an invitation to hold that ardent effort and our hard work in a deeper and appreciative awareness because we're not perpetual motion machines. Because none of us are things. And all of us have limited energy. And so many of us are exhausted because we don't recognize or honor those limits in ourselves or each other. And yet a wonderful paradox happens. That when we can honor our ardent effort and the limited energy behind it, a deeper abundance and appreciation and awareness and a larger energy can touch our lives. I think this is exactly for those of us who grew up in the Christian tradition. You hear the story about the loaves and the fishes and the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus makes this impossible request, feed my people. And there's like five loaves and fishes, and there are 5,000 people. How does it happen? Well, pretty soon everyone is fed. I think that's the kind of paradox that happens and the kind of energy that is released when we honor the limited energy that's here right now, and we treasure it and each other.
And so I want to end my message today with this wonderful story that I read in the Washington Post from a series that they ran uh, about the value of kindness. And this particular one, this particular uh, article was about the kindness of strangers. And it's here in this picture, this little flower in full bloom. And the note at the bottom, if you can't read it, says, please don't pick this flower. It belongs to a little boy who loves it and takes care of it. Thanks, smiley face. So how we got to this picture, how we got to this story, is from Jody Pratt. who's a mom who lives in Washington, D.C., has like one of those Washington, D.C. row homes. And her kindergartner, Stig, so five, six years old, her son Stig, planted this flower outside of their home. And it bloomed. And he was happy. And it was amazing. And the next time they went out to see the flower and the bloom, it was gone. Someone had picked it, plucked it off. And Stig was upset. And so was Jody, his mom. Well, let's let it grow back. And it did a second time. It bloomed again. And the next time they went out to see it, someone had picked the flower, plucked off the bloom again. And Stig was absolutely heartbroken, just crestfallen. And Jody describes her kind of parental protective rage thing. (laughs) Who would do this to my child? This little thing that he's cultivated. And, you know, the story could have gone different, right? You know, could have been an opportunity to tell Stig, little kindergartner there, no good deed goes unpunished, life sucks, then you die, right? That kind of teaching. (laughs) This is not what Jody did. (laughs) Jody instead, no, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Thanks. Back, not forward. I value your efforts, tech team. (laughs) Please don't pick this flower. It belongs to a little boy who loves it and takes care of it. And then, thanks, this amazing thing happened. This book, wrapped up in twine, laid right next to the unpicked flower. With the card for the little boy who takes care of the flower and the card within it, I had a copy of this book, The Little Red Flower, when I was a kid. I thought you might enjoy this story. A Maryland Avenue neighbor. Again, recognize how this story could have ended really differently. No good deed goes unpunished. She could have, you know, entered the surveillance state kind of way of being. Put up, uh, you know, a little spy camera. Smile, you flower-picking creep. (laughs) I got (laughs) you. But no. Jody and Stig asked for refuge. And refuge was given. This is a basic truth. That refuge begets refuge. And sometimes someone has to go first. And ask for what the heart needs. Especially when the heart is exhausted by the meanness of this world. I love this story because it's so trustworthy and it is such a small thing that this world so often wrung out by mindlessness and not noticing and taking for granted, at least on Maryland Avenue, 
in Washington, D.C. has a little bit more brightness breathed into its tired heart. So today, especially if you are feeling exhausted, may you have some more brightness breathed into your tired heart. May you receive refuge, and may you offer refuge. Amen. May you live in blessing. Would you pray with me? That which we call soul, that expansive awareness, offering a love so powerful as to truly and properly be called divine, a limitless quality that, in a beautiful way, treasures our own limited energy, recognizes, accepts, and honors that we are finite creatures, doesn't look past that, doesn't ask us to be machines, doesn't ask us to go running on and on and on and on until we reach the point of such tiredness and exhaustion that we're not just tired in body, we're exhausted, spent in heart and in soul, and yet soul continuously over and over again offers us this invitation if we are awake enough to recognize it. This refuge is here. We can be. And we are this refuge. Let us choose awareness of the loving kind and live from this place. Amen.